Holy Gospel for this Reformation Sunday comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 8. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, We are descendants of Abraham and have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean by saying you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Very truly, I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not have a permanent place in the household. The son has a place there forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our creator and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, today we honor the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. And in its honor, I have assembled a little Reformation celebration kit. So hang on. It's heavier than you might think. All right. I had a variety of stuff to choose from that may not surprise you to hear, but I tried to go for only the best items. So we have, first of all, some representations of our friend Martin Luther, both in um, bobblehead. Right, Sunday school students? Yeah, nice. Bobblehead and Playmobil form, straight from Germany. All right. But we cannot forget Martin's wife, Katie, without whom he would have starved. So I'm going to put her right up here as well. All right. I have a bunch of worship uh, books, a whole bunch of hymnals. Um, The green one, which I grew up singing from, came out in 1977. The the, the red one, which some of you might remember from, I think this came out in 1958. This is the kind of stuff I know, which years these came out. Um, the one that we currently use, although we print everything in the bulletin, but this is the hymnal that, that most Lutherans currently use. So there's that. We also have in here, let's see, oh, um, one, can you sense a color theme, by the way, here? One of uh, Luther's works. There are, however, 55 volumes of them, so I just brought the one. Um, oh, I have, for slightly advanced Lutheran nerds like me, we have the Book of Concord, uh, which is an assembly of writings from reformers, including Luther and others, kind of the central beliefs of the Lutheran tradition. Oh, I have Luther's Small Catechism, which some of you, did anyone here have to memorize this in confirmation when you were in confirmation? All right, this is the, the newest edition of that. Oh, I went to a Lutheran college, so I have some swag, go Lutes. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> oh, ah, wardrobe choices. All right. I have here some socks with Luther's famous statement on them from when he was asked whether he would recant his writings, and he said, Here I stand. <laughs> I can do no other, except it's in German even, so that's like extra... I know, I know, Tyler. And then last, last of all, I have a card signed by the bishop telling you that I am a Lutheran pastor, which makes me an actual card-carrying Lutheran. I have the card. <laughs> yes. This is mostly good for getting a clergy parking rate at hospitals, just so you know. <laughs> now, all of this, I suppose I could use to prove to you that I am a real Lutheran. Mostly it's for fun, but 
The 500th anniversary of the Reformation is a good time to ask, what makes you a real Lutheran? What is being Lutheran all about? How much do we still care about some Catholic monk who lived 500 years ago? Well, first, let's talk a little bit about who that Catholic monk was and what he did. Martin Luther was born in 1483 and grew up in a small mining town in Germany. His parents, especially his dad, wanted him to get a good job. They wanted him to be a lawyer. But Martin became a monk and spent years trying to please God, whom he understood and everyone understood at the time to be an angry, righteous divinity who was basically displeased with everybody because we were all terrible sinners. Beginning maybe a hundred and, hundred and some years before Martin's birth, the plague, the Black Death, had swept through Europe. It had decimated the population. Hundreds of thousands of people died. And up to 80% of the priests of that time died too because they, of course, went to visit their ill and dying parishioners and often became sick and died themselves. The church was desperate to fill all those pulpits, and so they began to ordain pretty much any man who could stand up and recite Latin. And it was all men at the time, whether they really understood themselves what they were saying or not, and certainly had very little training and almost no Bible study. And so the priests of Martin's time were largely uneducated and pretty superstitious. At the same time, the church was desperately trying to raise money to build a whole bunch of churches, and so they stumbled upon the idea of selling forgiveness, which sounds probably ridiculous to us now on this side of the Reformation, but which made a lot of sense to a people who, remember, were taught to fear an angry God since the day they were born, and who believed in a very real and literal hell from which they were desperate to escape. Martin spent years trying to please this angry God, studying, repenting of his sins over and over again, so obsessed with it that finally the monks decided to send him away to study, they said, but frankly mostly to just get rid of him. In his study, Martin discovered parts of the Bible, which few people had read or understood, Parts of the Bible which the church hadn't talked about, maybe even hidden away for a long time. Some of which we just heard this morning in our own readings, especially that passage from Romans where Martin read that we are not made right with God, loved by God because of our works, because of what we do, but because faith is a gift and the love of God is a gift. This transformed Martin's life and he began to see that the church was abusing its power and so he wrote a list of things that he thought the church should change. And he made that list public. 95 ideas that he thought people should talk about to be able to change the church. That list started a revolution. And it's the day that list became public, October 31st, 1517, that we mark as the beginning of the Reformation. So we could definitely spend this day in the past talking about all the stuff that Martin Luther did, which was extraordinary, Luther did not just change the church. He changed the world around him. Did you know that the Western idea of free public education, that's as we all chip in together and pay for education for boys and girls, that idea came from Martin Luther. The first European city to develop a system of taxation 
which everybody put money into a community chest to pay for things like hospitals and education and welfare. That was a German city that was inspired by Luther's theology to take care of their neighbors in a new way. The fact that you might own a Bible in your house that is written in a language that you speak and understand, that's the work of Martin Luther and other reformers who took time, years, to translate Bibles into people's native languages because they believe that you should be able to read it and think about it for yourself. So yep, we could definitely spend this day talking about 500 years ago, and we've established that I am a card-carrying Lutheran nerd, so I would be very happy to do just that. But I suspect that that's not really enough. That's not really why we're here. Because all too easily and quickly, those 500 years of history, all the stuff like this, it can, it can easily become a wall between us. What if you're sitting here thinking, I don't really care that much about Martin Luther, to be honest. I'm not that big of a fan of a mighty fortress. What if you didn't wear red today? Or you've never heard of the 95 Theses? What if you came here because you are interested in joining a community to worship God, to proclaim Jesus, to work for justice, and not because you want to rehash a theological war from 500 years ago? What does it mean to be Lutheran? For a long time, many American Lutheran congregations, we have enjoyed our Reformation kits just like this. We've enjoyed our hymnals. We've enjoyed our inside jokes. We've made uh, jokes about Oli and Lena, or being from Scandinavia or Germany, or at least living in the Midwest at some point. We've joked about Ludafisk and Lefsa and having to memorize the catechism in German or sing Christmas hymns in Swedish. That part of our heritage is wonderful and beautiful. But not everybody shares that heritage. And sometimes when we say those things, we imply that being Lutheran means you have to be one of those things. You have to be German or Scandinavian. You have to be from the Midwest. Part of what we're implying when we say all that is that being Lutheran means, among other things, being white. Did you know that the ELCA, the larger church of which we are a part, is the whitest, the least diverse denomination in the United States. That's something that we should know and think about. Now, Martin Luther, sure, he was European. He was from Germany. But in the 500 years since he ignited a movement, that movement has become global. There are 74 million Lutherans in the world today. And only about 4 million of those live in the United States. A couple million more in Europe. But being Lutheran today is a lot more likely to mean that you eat Ethiopian food for your holidays, or that you celebrate Christmas with your family and traditions in Nigeria, or that you sing hymns with your church family in Brazil than anything to do with Ludafisk. As a survivor of Ludafisk, I am glad for this. <laughs> Maybe one of the most significant ways the Holy Spirit is continuing to reform us as a church is by reminding us, pushing us, 
any of us who have been tempted to think that the church belongs to us and our way of doing it, that God is a lot bigger than that. That the Lutheran tradition, the church, has never belonged to any one people or nation or language or culture. So what does it mean to be Lutheran today? Well, Martin Luther was unafraid of telling the truth. He got in a lot of trouble for it. So at least part of being Lutheran is admitting some truths, even when they make us uncomfortable. One of the truths is that sometimes stuff like this, our beautiful heritage, we can use it as a kind of test. We can make people feel uncomfortable when they come to worship, like they're not sure if they belong. The truth is, there is no such thing as a card-carrying Lutheran. There's no card. There is no test. There is no list of who you're supposed to be before you come in the door. There's a call to all of us to be God's people in the world to witness to God's extraordinary grace and love, to work for the good of our neighbors, to be unafraid to tell the truth and change the world, to listen for the wild and challenging call of the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to be Lutheran? Probably the best answers to that question don't come only from the 500 years in the past, but from the years that are in front of us, from looking forward. Martin Luther was no hero. He had a lot of failings. But we can see in him an example of how God always works for good in the world. Through flawed, imperfect, messy people. Like Martin, like Katie, like other reformers, and like you and me. Probably the 500 that matters most today isn't the 500 years ago. It's the 500 years in front of us. And the best Reformation celebration kit is not a pile of stuff on a pulpit. It is you, who you are, and who God is calling you to be in the world. What will we do about the world we live in? That was Luther's question, and it's ours too. What will we do about a world that is just as broken and beautiful, as flawed and hopeful, as anxious and wonderful as Luther's world was? What will we do about hard truths that we need to face? How will we be as radical and courageous and bold as Luther, even though we are just as likely as he was to make a lot of mistakes along the way? To be a reforming people is to spend a little time today in the past, in both its glory and its failures, It's to tell the truth about the many ways in which Luther was an amazing servant of God and to remember that he didn't do that work alone. There were hundreds of other men and women who took just as many risks as he did. It's also to be honest about Luther's tremendous failings and the ways in which the tradition he began hasn't always been as bold and courageous and daring as he was but fundamentally to be reforming people, reformation people, is to say that, sorry, Martin, you are not the reason we are here today. We are called by the Holy Spirit to proclaim and embody the compassionate, challenging, inclusive love of God. 
That is who God has called this community to be. And you might hear in that mission statement an important word. There's lots of them. But one of them is early on. We are. Present tense, not in the past. Not we were, but we are. We are called. We are reformers. And we are being reformed. We are grateful for our history, but not confined by it. We are challenged by the work ahead, but not afraid of it. Because the God who calls us has been about this work of reformation and justice and holiness in the world for a lot longer than 500 years. And God is determined not to give up. God is leading us into the Reformation in front of us. And that is the one for which we can say, thanks be to God. Amen.